Our Father in heaven begins what we have traditionally called the Lord's Prayer. This past Sunday, I began a series of sermons preaching through the Lord's Prayer. Interestingly enough, the first of those sermons, our Father, fell on Father's Day. Did you see what I did there? (laughs) And today, of course, the next line, our Father who art in heaven. And as I thought about that statement, I wanted to speak about heaven, and we'll do a little bit of that, but I really wanted to speak about God's presence. As Davy just shared, it is an awe-inspiring thing to think that the creator of the universe is present with us. Looking back on that time, as Danny shared as we began, with Moses there at the burning bush, realizing that where he was standing was certainly holy ground and incredible and amazing. And yet it is that God who promised to be with Moses and who promises, as we'll see, to be with us. One of the greatest blessings parents can give their children is to be with them. With them, I remember a story that James Dobson wrote about one time, uh, perhaps a different father, or maybe it was him and his son, or him and his father, I don't recall, but he talked about a fishing trip with a father and a son, and in the father's journal, the father wrote, went fishing today with my son, we didn't get a single bite, wasted day. And the son, in his journal, wrote, went fishing today with my dad, it was my best day ever. Just being present with each other. And I, I realize I've been a, a young parent. I've had very active children. And I, I get that we can't do everything and we can't be at everything. And though it breaks our hearts, I, I understand that. Um, but every parent wants to be there for their kids, whatever their age. Even now, we have children and grandchildren, and many of you do as well. And we want to be with them, if, if not physically, then at least emotionally, connected with them somehow. Um, I remember a scene from the movie Hook, which I think is a very clever movie, a grown-up Peter Pan. Who, who better than Robin Williams for that role? Um, But during that time, at the very beginning, he is caught up in the business world and uh, had promised his son to be at his baseball game. And of course, this was, you know, way back when, before everybody was videotaping everything with their cell phone. And so at at the game, as the game was beginning to start, the the, uh, mother of the son that's out there playing, waiting for dad, uh, has a man come up to him, to her from... uh, Robin Williams' office, and he's got one of those great big video cameras, and he asks her, which one is your son? And then, of course, the camera moves over to that boy out there, and he sees what's going on, and you can see the disappointment in his face. Another thing that I did when my dad wasn't here with me. One of the greatest blessings parents can give their children is to be with them. 
and God is our Heavenly Father. And for those uh, of us who have had fathers who were uh, flawed, and that's everybody, and some of those flaws uh, have, have had a great negative effect on some, in those cases we look to our Father who is in heaven to show us what a father is and should be. God is that father. He is our heavenly father. His presence is in heaven, and yet he has promised to be with us. Even though we pray to our father who is in heaven, we recognize that that same heavenly father, the creator of the universe, the judge of all mankind, he has promised that he will be with us that we have his presence. And so a couple of things about that today. First of all, though our Father is in heaven, he has given us his presence. He has promised that he will be with us, and he has delivered on that promise. He actually is with us and has been with us. And we see that especially in a couple of ways. First of all, he is present with us through his son. Through his son. This is what got Jesus killed. The claim that God was present with us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And yet that is what Jesus claimed. That is what the apostles claimed as well. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, these very familiar words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then we skip down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This word that was with God, that was creator, that was God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Well, those are the kinds of things that get people killed around people who believe in the sovereignty of Almighty God, unless it's true. And in this case, it is true. God has given us his presence through his Son. And so in John 3, that very familiar passage that God so loved us, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die or perish but have everlasting life. The wonderful passage in John 14 
about the promise that Jesus has made to us. That even though he would go away, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to give you that mansion, that room, that house, so that you can be with me forever. And in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. (laughs) That sounds like us, doesn't it? Let me see that burning bush. Let me see that majestic scene at the throne. We want Spielberg. (laughs) Jesus answered in John 14, verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He wasn't what they were expecting, but he was the Son of God. He was the presence of God in this world. Later, as Jesus prays in John 17, he says very similar things as he talks about our oneness with him and with the Father and with each other. That we would be one as the Father and the Son are one and that that we would be there for each other just as Jesus would be there for us. John writes in the first letter of John in chapter 1, and he talks about what we have seen, what our hands touched, the voice that we heard, the things we had seen and heard. They were eyewitnesses to the presence of God in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Though our Father is in heaven, he has given us his presence, first of all, through his Son. But we're all very much aware, very thankful for, but very much aware that his Son was crucified and then raised from the grave and then ascended back to heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, that's where Jesus the Son is as well. Though our Father is in heaven, he has given us his presence, and that presence remains with us still, only now it is through his Spirit. And a couple of things about that. First of all, the indwelling Spirit, that Spirit that lives in each of us. In Acts chapter 2, that the powerful, incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit, the extraordinary measures that we saw are given to the apostles and they begin to speak in all these other languages that they never studied and the the people are amazed. But they're told about another gift of the Spirit, another time when the Spirit becomes a part of us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's that gift of the Spirit living inside of us, the very presence of God. If you've been following in my Facebook Live Bible studies through Acts, you've you've heard us talk about passages such as Acts chapter 8, where 
Philip is there and doing amazing, incredible things, but can't pass along that gift of being able to do that yourself until Peter and John, two apostles, are called from Jerusalem to come down to the Samaritans who had been baptized into Christ. And they lay their hands on them and then they begin to receive those gifts. And it's, it's that gift that Simon, that sorcerer, wanted to buy. Not just the gift to have the ability to do those things, but to be able to transfer them to others. And yet, as Peter says, that was not his role. It was not his role. But we have that indwelling part of God. That presence of the Father dwelling inside of us. Still in these chapters in John 14 through 16, as Jesus comforts his disciples before he leaves them with his death, burial, and resurrection, and then his ascension. He says this in John 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, John 14, 15. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or comforter to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus promises in verse 18. I will come to you. He promises that he will not leave us as orphans. He promises us that when he leaves, he will bring another comforter, another advocate, someone who will do what he has been doing in his physical presence with the disciples, now to be present in the hearts of every single Christian. Verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. How does that happen? That happens through his Holy Spirit. Through his spirit who lives inside of us. The apostle Paul spoke about this to the church at Ephesus and to the church at Corinth. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, these words. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And then we turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and read something very similar in verses 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God will come through on his promise to save us. God will come through on his promise to bring us to that mansion over the hilltop, that place that Jesus is preparing for us right now. He will come through on that promise. How do you know that, Bill? Because he has given us a little bit of that promise fulfilled already. It is the presence of God in our hearts. It is that Holy Spirit that he has given us as an earnest, as a deposit. 
as an indication that he will be true to his word. And it's that Holy Spirit that gives us comfort and gives us strength. It is that Spirit who is with us. And it is the presence of God. And so we speak about the Trinity. Even though that term is never used in Scripture, we see indications of it in several places, such as in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verses 17 uh, and reading verses 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We see the Lord and the Spirit used interchangeably here. And as Jesus shared, his presence is continued in the presence of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. It's as if Jesus of Nazareth is standing in our presence. Though our Father is in heaven, he has given us his presence through his Son, first of all, and now through his Spirit to continue that very same presence. As we see the incredible, wonderful gifts that God gives to the church, we recognize that they are from God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that they are from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Father, Son, and Spirit used interchangeably because they represent the presence of God. We see that in that scene in Matthew 3 when Jesus is baptized. The presence of God the Father, the voice coming from heaven. This is my beloved Son. We see it in the presence of God the Son, the person of Jesus of Nazareth being baptized. We see it in the presence of God the Spirit descending like a dove. We see it in other places as well, including that great commission in Matthew 28 where Jesus tells us to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Though our Father is in heaven, he has given us his presence through his Son and through his Spirit. And why is it so important that this is the presence of God? Why is it so important that what Jesus said when he said, I will continue my presence with you, I will give you my spirit, that other comforter, that other advocate, that one who will continue my presence and my work with you. Why is that so important? As our shepherd Jay shared during our shepherd's prayer time, we need the presence of God today. And we have it. We have it. We understand that. As Grant shared as we gathered around the table and told that wonderful story of how a person's faith in God carried them through probably the darkest time of their lives. As he spoke about 
this man's niece and his family. We're all very familiar with that ourselves, with similar stories in our own family, in our church family, such as we experienced with Rachel and with Kelly Huff, the presence of God, our faith in Christ getting us through a very difficult and trying time. And that is the case still. That presence of God, that power of God will get us through this time as well. I'm not sure what the future holds either. I don't know if this coronavirus is going to get better or worse. I don't know if the political unrest in our country is going to get better or worse. I don't know who's going to win the presidency in November. I pray Jesus comes long before then. (laughs) But I know that if he doesn't, we will be okay. It may be hard. And we may have trouble. But we will be okay. Why? Because we have the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. What would be different in your life today if there were no God? How would you deal with what you're dealing with today? If God wasn't present with you, would anything change? As we consider the the trials of the day, many are watching us online. Some aren't here because they simply cannot be here. Others are here because they should not be here. (laughs) What is What is different with you today because God is present with you? How much are we relying, truly relying on God? These are the times when faith is really faith. When I realize I I can't get through this myself. I can't handle this on my own. I don't know what the answers are. I'm pretty sure I don't know what all the questions are. But my trust is not in my ability to do those things. My trust is in my God, who sometimes carries out all of those things a lot differently than I would have if I were God. (laughs) But as you've heard me say many times, I've come to believe two things about God. One, that he exists, and two, I'm not him. What would be different about your life? If the Holy Spirit was not dwelling inside of you, as Paul says he is. Well, briefly, a second point this morning. One of the greatest blessings our Heavenly Father has given us is his presence. It's one of the great, great blessings. Salvation is great. His word is great. The church is great. Answered prayer is great. One of the greatest blessings God has given us is in his presence. His being with us through good times and bad, through the mountain peak experiences as well as in the deepest and darkest valleys. One of the greatest blessings our Heavenly Father has given us is his presence. And again, looking back to that time of transition from Moses to Joshua. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Moses tells his young protege who will now take over for Moses. Can you imagine taking over for Moses? 
Be strong and courageous, the great lawgiver told Joshua. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's why Joshua could do what he did. And for no other reason, because he knew that God was with him. God himself to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews, talking to Christians who were so persecuted, so discouraged, so down about the conditions of their world that they were ready to give up. They were ready to give up the church. They were ready to give up Jesus. He goes back to these words. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Only a person who recognizes the presence of God is within them can make such a statement. Because there's a lot of things that mere mortals can do to us. But they can't take us away from God. As Paul said in Romans 8, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, of God, that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so Jesus in that great commission passage in Matthew 28, as he said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and continuing to teach them. That's what discipling means, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And if that's where it ended, that would be an undaunting task that we would have trouble signing on to. But we can't forget how that passage ends when Jesus says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And not long after that, he leaves them and ascends to heaven. But just as he promised, he continues his presence with us through his Holy Spirit. And so one last thought from this great hymn that we're about to sing. If you uh, are on Facebook and can find my page, if you missed it yesterday, I shared a short devotional. Short for me. Nine minutes is really short for me. (laughs) A short devotional about my favorite verse of any song. uh, Written by somebody living or long dead. A secular song or a Christian song. A traditional hymn or a contemporary song, doesn't matter. This is my favorite, favorite verse of any song. And I shared about that yesterday on my Facebook page. And it's still there and it'll be on our, on our church uh, live stream archive page as well. And it's the third verse of a four-verse hymn. And if you're the third verse of a four-verse hymn, you just don't get much playing time. (laughs) It just doesn't happen much. And of course, Bill's favorite verse would be the third verse of a four-verse hymn. That's just, you know, that's just the little cloud that's over me. But this verse has, has helped me for years and years. And it simply says this. It's a prayer hymn. And it's from that great hymn, Be With Me, Lord. Be with me, Lord. No other gift or blessing. 
thou couldst bestow could with this one compare. A constant sense of thy abiding presence. Where'er I am, to feel that thou art near. There is no greater blessing for us today than to have a constant sense of thy abiding presence. Where'er we are, to feel that thou art near. To know, to know that God's presence is with us. This morning, if you need the encouragement of your church family, we're here for each other, representing that presence of God in the world as his people, pointing always to him. Come as we stand and as we sing this great prayer.